This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Christmas Everest, the podcast that is today in black and white because of uh, strike. Yep. All of the colour technicians went on strike, leaving us decidedly monotone. Every programme made on ITV between November 1970 and March 1971 only exists in black and white. They were shot filmed in black and white, recorded and broadcast in black and white. It's such a weird thing because uh, with LWT programmes, a lot of them started in 1969 or 1970 because the company only went on air in August 1968. When you go back to these old series of theirs, the first series or the first two series will be in colour and then there'll be one in black and white. And then they go back to colour again. It's so strange. <laughs> it really is. The programming question today is, please, sir. It is. Which more or less came along at the same time as LWT, 1968. Yep. This is from the 27th of December, 1970, which, as anyone who understands the way that time operates will know, is slap bang in the middle of this period of industrial unrest. Yep, and exactly... 50 years ago. I mean, you say that, it'll be exactly 50 years ago on the 27th yeah, well, you of know, December. Yeah, you know what I mean. But 50 <laughs> years ago, this Christmas, this is what people were watching. Yeah. And they and they were watching it. It was enormously successful. And that's the yeah. thing about these... I, I told the story on a previous podcast about how London Weekend Television got their franchise on a promise of highfalutin ideals and arts and culture and then when that failed and the company almost went bankrupt they were forced to be dragged down market but they were down market in some ways from the off as this program proves very much so i have to say that if this is what people were watching 50 years ago at christmas all of these people were talking about 2020 being the worst christmas ever but clearly um haven't lived <laughs> Please was a sitcom about an idealistic young teacher and his class of sort of recalcitrant rascally scoundrels. Yeah, it's set in the inner London uh, comprehensive school. So these kids are coming up to 15, 16 and they they <laughs> yeah. don't really care because none of them have any particularly great ambition. One of them wants to be a nurse. I mean, I know that it's it's very much a uh, TV trope. And, you know, from the point of view of um, proper standards and practices, it's easier to have people who are not actually school-age children playing your school-age children. But, I mean, 
come yeah, on. I mean, that's a standing joke, isn't it? That they're all sort of 35 years old when they... They're all clearly as old as each I other. I think most of them were in their early to mid-twenties. I think. I am I think. astonished. And I, was, yeah. um, I mean, because these people are... Because this episode is set during the Christmas holidays at school. And it deals with the circumstances of the teacher, Bernard Hedges, getting married. Mm-hmm. So you haven't even got people in uniform. And if you don't particularly know police or know the characters, you just got no idea at all who's meant to be a, an adult and who's meant to be a pupil. I think the only way that you can tell is ultimately that the, the pupils do things that, uh, you know, have still got a certain amount of pluck and spunk. They haven't had it beaten out of them by the world yet. I don't know. I mean, if the teenagers are quite noticeably different from the teachers, I think that difference... I mean, three of them are in their kind of 60s or 70s. You know what I mean? It is fair to say that I, at no point was I ever particularly confused as to which, you know, which was one of the pupils and which was one of the teachers... Or which was one of the adult characters. Uh-huh. But it bent realism just that little bit too much. I think it's also exaggerated by the fact that people just looked older. If you were 25 in 1970, you spent the first few years of your life, the first six years, first eight years, whatever it was, under rationing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, standards of health and hygiene were not as high. People aged more quickly than they do now. Yeah, that's just, a, I mean, you know, that's just a fact of life. It, I think that when I was a kid, because this, this, they, they repeated this when I was a teenager, which is how I came to be aware of it. I'm about, it was, I think I was about thirteen or fourteen, something like that. So it was kind of, you know, within my interest group, because this was about kids that were two years older than me, except in the old days. Theoretically speaking. Do you know what I mean? Well, it was only like 16 <laughs> years before, which from yeah, the yeah, vantage yeah. point of the age I am now looks like a mere trifle. I have to say about Police Sir, there is a film and a TV series, and I prefer the film substantially. Over the TV series, mm. even though the title music is sung by Scylla Black. Is it the same music as the no, TV show? No, it isn't. Obviously, it isn't. They do play oh. a little bit of it in the opening titles. Because one of the, the more famous things about Police there is the opening title music. Yeah, yeah. It's possibly the most proficient part of the programme, if I'm yeah. honest. Oh, uh, well, you know, that's, that's just um, like your opinion, man. <laughs> Bernard Bernard <laughs> Bernard Hedges, school teacher, yeah. has woken up on the morning of his nuptials yeah. uh, to find that he's in bed with his best man, Mister Price, hung yeah. over to all hell. I t- and I tell you what, right? The yeah. idea of homosexuality is so preposterous that they don't even play that for laughs. It's just no. taken as red that they are not homosexuals because neither of them are going to stand up and start mincing around. Because that's how you could tell in the early 70s. Yeah. You know, there were certainly... Yeah, but the codes were very obvious. Very, very obvious indeed. Oh, yeah, it wasn't a mysterious secret code. No, oh, God, no. No, 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 no. The school caretaker slash 
Usher for the day, played by Derek Guiler, is also on hand. He's usually the janitor. Yeah, to try and whip everybody into shape, get a missing wedding dress yep. delivered to the bride and get the groom and the best man to the church on time. Yeah, but I mean, he's the end, as close as you get to an antagonist. Elsewhere in the TV series, he's the janitor. And the standing joke with him is that he is incompetent, but highly, highly, highly officious. He's former military and always goes on about how he fought in Tobruk. Okay. There you go. So I know more <laughs> about this. It's all coming back to me now. I'm glad that, well, I'm glad that it's it's had such a, an impact. Yeah, but on I mean, no, I mean, the thing is that to a point, it's got, it's got an element of Bass Street kids about it. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, kind yeah, of aim. That's kind of where it's pitched, and I don't know whether that's deliberate or not. But obviously, you have to have an antagonist in one of those, and they're not going to make one of the kids an antagonist. You know, even if they're thirty-seven years old, they're not going to do that, and they can't do that to a teacher because at the time, a teacher was still a highly respected profession. Yeah, well, they're not antagonists, but they are antagonistic. I think yeah. one of the the things that made me slightly question the whole program mm. was that this is his wedding day and it seemed like every single person that he'd invited is antagonistic towards him in some way yeah but yeah uh, be it the the pupils want to find out where he's going on his honeymoon so that they can uh, pull pranks on him yeah you've got Derek Guiler who's just being an officious twerp thing is all they're doing is repeating the exact dynamic that they exhibit in the classroom and the playground of the school, only yeah. in a hotel or whatever it is, you know, on, on Christmas Day. It's not going to happen, though, is it? On somebody's wedding day? No, of day. course it isn't. It's a bloody, it's a stupid uh, bloody sitcom well. from 1971. Like, what, are you, what exactly are you expect? I want, I don't know, but I want... <laughs> a gritty realism. It's not so much gritty realism, but just some acknowledgement of the fact that some of the people at his wedding actually liked him would have been nice let me go through the bits that i didn't like okay firstly why is dennis dunstable from the west country he's one of the school kids he's the slightly i think the word they would have used at the time is simple one. <laughs> okay so he's um, he's, plug. he's got brown curly hair big kind of okay thing of brown curly hair and for some reason and I think it's just you know like a, tr- a kind of trope. Oh, this one he's he's a bit he's a bit thick, yeah. and so he's got like a kind of West Country accent. Well, even uh, though they li- oh, even though it's like they live in like Canning Town or very, something like that. It's, I mean, it's, it's very codified again, isn't it? British TV, thick, yeah, rural accent. Yeah. So I don't. I, 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 it's not that I didn't. I don't like that, but it's that I've never understood it, and I've seen more Please Sir than you. Definitely. Um, the other thing that really, really gets to me about it is the way they speak. Right, have we found out where the uppy couple are going for their honeymoon? No, Privet's playing it close to his chest. Yeah, I couldn't even get it out of him when he was bummed out of his head at the stag party. <laughs> but we've got to know what hotel it is, otherwise how can we put the ollie in his bed? Right, here I'll play them other traditional jacks, like sewing the legs of his pyjamas yeah, together. Yeah, a telegram. Drop what you're doing, your flat is burning down. <laughs> <laughs> Relax, guys. FA can find out just like that. Oh, yeah? How? I'll ring up Privet, I'll disguise my voice as Penny and I'll say... Hello, darling. 
Where did you say we was going on the honeymoon again? Yeah, already knows you're from here. We better shoot. We don't hold it up a ceremony for us. The working sure class kids. And the thing is, <laughs> they um, it's these incredibly exaggerated mouth movements. The most exaggerated I've ever seen. Yeah. And I do not believe that people in any part of London actually spoke like that in 1970. <laughs> I mean, it you know, you could probably make an argument for saying that it depends on which part of London, you know. In 19 in December 1970 I was not in the world, but my parents lived in um, Lower Edmonton and they didn't speak like that. <laughs> To the best of your knowledge. Well, no, I'm certain they didn't. You know, you've met my you've met my sister. Well, yeah, I mean, she she, she was alive then. She doesn't sound like that. No, that's true. But you know, other that's just one borough. Other parts of London are available. That's no, true. So I'm I'm not convinced that they actually spoke like that. I found that actually quite a lot more wary. Well, it's the same. Than I used to when I was it's younger. It's the same thing as the Dennis Dunstable thing, though, isn't it? It's lazy, stereotypical. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tempt. I don't. I don't know the backgrounds of the of the um, of the actors who who played them all. Um, it feels like it could be rather trying to do working class. You know what I mean? I, I would suspect <laughs> that there could be an element of that. It might well not be. Maybe they just came from the borough of london where people did speak like that i i I think it's most likely set around fulham or chelsea or somewhere like that yeah it's never it's never explicitly um it's it's never explicitly mentioned they go to Um, a station at one point and the entire platform is covered in farm equipment i mean that's that's no real clue no well that's out in the countryside because that's the point isn't it they're in london and they need to get to the countryside to this wedding Oh, it's except yeah, but and, and the thing is that this is a standard yeah yeah plot script. You don't have to put any thought into this. Yeah, it's the it's get me to the church on time, and um, what they've done with it actually is kind of crowbarring in a bit of Christmas here and there. Well, initially, I mean, it was a little while before there was any Christmas at all, and then yeah. and then mm. you know I thought, oh God, I'm not watching the wrong episode if i'm watching an episode of police that i don't need to be watching that's even worse but no there it was there's a few christmasy bits here and there yeah um, i mean they they end up you know spoiler alert they end up getting snowed in i do and yeah. uh you know that that's kind of festive i suppose in its in its own peculiar way my my big problem with this particular episode was kind of structural yeah. Which is that they picked up this story, the Get Me to the Church on Time story, and they ran with it, but they only ran with it for 15 minutes. Yeah, it was the end of the first it half. It was only, yeah, yeah, that. so that kind of left the second half of the show feeling a little bit lifeless and kind of well, unnecessary. Well, yeah, I mean, because we've had Norman's gone to send Penny, the bride to be, around the block, and you think, okay, I know where I am. It's a get me to the church on time extravaganza. Yeah, I know. There's going to be all these kids running around London or something, yeah, yeah. getting up to hijinks and this, that, and the other. Oh, but and oh, then... hang on. Oh no, 
He's he's on a tandem bicycle. Yeah, and it just feels as though ad break. If they yeah, if they stretch that out the full length, because the thing is, the fifteen minutes it doesn't give any time to build any tension. No, which is the whole point of doing it, because the laughter is the release of the tension, and so you get to the halfway point, and it's like, oh, hang on a minute, there's still half of this to go. I mean, to be yeah. fair, there is a bit where I thought they'd gone dogging for a minute. Um, yeah. They were <laughs> huddled, huddled in the car, flashing their headlights, <laughs> indicators <laughs> on. I don't know what I don't know what doggers do to grab attention. Honking the well, suppose, honking the yeah, horn. With, <laughs> when you've got, you, I mean, you've got left indicator, you've got right indicator, and then you've got hazards. I mean, yeah. that's three different things. Just Reverse. with one, with one, yeah, well, exactly. With one set of lights, you can do three things. Imagine what you could do with. Can't you get LCD lights that you can just hang like stick on car windscreens? Oh, I'm now. sure that yeah, the dedicated dogger. Yeah, well, you just want one of those that says "dogging here tonight." Yeah. The dedicated doggers all got like a little traffic light in the back of their car. Red means stop dogging, and green is go for dogging. <laughs> Red and yellow is proceed with caution. Yeah, well, yeah, yellow dogging. obviously would be get mm. ready to dog. Amber would be if you're already dogging and it's safe to do so, though, then continue. Continue to, dogging. Yeah, but otherwise, then you should give consideration to stopping. Stopping <laughs> dogging. Yeah. So one 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 thing I will say in this program's defence, and there's not going to be a lot of these. At least. It, we didn't have to see any of the actual wedding ceremony, which is always tiresome in the extreme. After they come back from the break, Bernard and Penny have become Benny. Yeah, but the thing is that that's where they've got it wrong, which is that that is where it's supposed to end. It's supposed to end with him turning up there at the last minute, covered in mud with his shirt untucked, running up the aisle and her looking at him and laughing yeah. or whatever. That's what's supposed to happen. And it's supposed to be at the end of the second half and not at the end of the first. <laughs> I tell you what would be a good a really good big a big belly laugh in that particular scenario. He's running up the and and she sort of turns around and looks at him and sort of piteous, slightly cross, but very relieved way. And resigned. And uh, and then she abs just completely fills her pants with shit. That she goes goes for a fart and just fills them. And, that, and that's your idea of a good sitcom, that. is it? Yeah, no, no one would be expecting it and it would get a tremendous How laugh. would anybody know? Oh, because you'd see it coming oh. out. <laughs> it would be absolutely... It would be coming out the bottom of her wedding I'm dress. really sorry. I'm really sorry, listeners. I can only apologise. I have no idea where this came from. <laughs> the girl who's holding the train is like passing out with the smell. It's and there's um, right. Okay, flies. so oh, Jesus, <laughs> can we try and get this back on track? I'm going to write a sick. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> the wedding reception. They go to the wedding reception, which is a, a country hotel. Bernard and Penny, Benny, are keen to send the children off on wild goose chases so that they don't find out that their actual honeymoon location is that very hotel in which yeah. they're having their reception. Uh-huh. I think we perhaps just better go upstairs and make sure that the beds have been turned down. I, uh, I see the evil purpose behind what you're saying, darling, mm-hmm. and I admire it. Mm-hmm. But what about the guests? They'll never all fit in. 
No. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's get rid of them, shall we? On the other hand, we could enjoy our own reception and just leave these lying about. Like tickets. Tickets to Portugal, mm. darling. We're not going to Portugal. What are these? Well, they're dummies. My friend June at the airport did them for me. You see, we leave them around so, they get, so the guests see them accidentally. They think we're going away. Yeah. We get an undisturbed night's sleep. Well, figuratively speaking, of course. <laughs> but unfortunately, the specimen tickets were for a flight that was leaving in an hour. And therefore, they, they're packed off in a cab to the airport. And, as you say, end up hiding in the car in the snow, freezing their asses off. While all of their so-called friends are having a... <laughs> proper knees up i mean the thing is that this is all on him yeah because at the end of the day they genuinely think that they've gone to portugal so what are they supposed to do just what what, just pack up and go home no i mean to be fair they you know they have a reason to carry yeah so you know so that's fine i've got no issue with that and secondly what i mean you know what happens next is that when he goes back to the hotel room, he finds that his hotel room's been taken by somebody else. Well, the management came to yeah. the information that he'd gone to Portugal. Somehow. Yeah, so they completely unanimously just decided to sell his room to somebody else. Yeah, and they stick but, him. They stick him in the lounge. He says, "Well, you can kip on a coach in the lounge." Yeah, and and the thing is, that firstly, you know, if you run a hotel. You don't yeah. just do that. I no. mean, for quite aside from anything else, that need that they need to check that that room's well. Yeah, exactly. Sanitary. I mean, for a start, for a start, that's hearsay is no way to run a hotel. Yeah, but then having said that, if I was him, I'd be thinking I should probably tell the manager of the hotel. I should probably just tell him. Just, just say, just, just, just to let you know. If you're the manager is... of the hotel, you should not be cancelling any bookings. Oh yeah, unless, yeah, yeah. Unless both... it has been specifically stated yeah. to you, but yeah, in writing, it's preferably. a failure on two parts, really. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you're right. On, and on then that. at the end, when the hotel manager's standing there and he fills his pants <laughs> with crap yeah. and goes, "Oh my god, I can't believe," jeez, <laughs> 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 that's going to be a running theme of your sitcom, then, is it? Well, I... <laughs> what are you going to One... call it? A load of shit. <laughs> One, yes, and two, it would have been better than this. I swear, honestly, I swear, even in black and white, it would have been better than this. I I didn't think this was very good. No, it was awful. I think you're slightly overstating it. It's an interesting period piece. I did actually, after watching this... I did actually watch uh, an episode of the the TV series uh, in colour. Okay. And uh, it was just a normal... School was it episode. earlier than this or later? Um, I think it was later. Okay. I think that was a bit more enjoyable because it was just back in their kind of normal environment, you know. But I, I do actually recommend watching the film. The film is, you know, it's all right. It's got some fantastic... It's so of its time. When was the film made? Uh, the film was made in 1971. Okay. So uh, what happens is that they go to a on, a... on a school trip away to this kind of woodland place in the middle of nowhere. There's some not particularly pleasant stereotyping of what they call in the film gypsies. Oh, good. But then having said that, 
what what are you expecting from a film adaptation of a British sitcom in 1971? I well, guess. yeah, that's, that's I um, mean, you know. Uh, I'm partly fascinated by it because it's it's the London that I was born into. The the shots at the beginning of the film, maybe the first kind of 20, 25 minutes, whatever, that, it's not the same place, obviously, but that is London in 1971. And I was born in London in 1972. And so... You could probably put me down in front of anything and I will be fascinated by it. And to that extent, I'm fascinated by this. But for me, this is a kind of weak episode of a a so-so early 70s sitcom. It's not the worst of its breed. On the buses is the worst of its breed. Well, actually, no. No, 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 no. Curry and chips is the worst of its breed. Um... You know, there's a, a love thy neighbour, you know. There was loads of really horrible shit going on in comedy in this country at the time. Some really, really horrible stereotypes and some real gross, gross attitudes and behaviours. And this programme at least doesn't have really any of those. I don't remember there being much racism. I don't remember there being much homophobia. It was pretty vanilla. I mean, yeah, it has to be said, they're very white. They are very white, again. You know, for, for uh, London in 1971, again, was was not that white, you know. Yeah. There is a black kid and there is a Muslim kid in the film version. Oh, God. And whether you consider it sensitive or not, I, I don't know. Uh, it's debatable. It's played for laughs to a point. I'm going to say that it is not set. This is without having seen the film. <laughs> Whether you would deem it outright offensive or not, I think is possibly debatable because... I deemed this outright offensive, but not yeah. for those reasons. Yeah, but this isn't, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't. I just can't understand why, one, why he invited pupils to his wedding anyway. 1B, why he didn't invite at least one person who liked him and wanted him to do well (laughs) to his wedding. It seemed like everybody was out to shaft him. Well, okay. first things first, it's kind of the backstory that this class is supposed to be almost unteachable. And he is finding... He's this kind of really idealistic young teacher he's only supposed to be like i think in his mid-twenties so i think the insinuation is that whilst they're still not learning a great deal they have at least bonded in a way with their teacher what in the fact that they are just planning on fucking him up rather than having well he's the thing is that that yeah i mean one of the running jokes and it's particularly in the film is that he's very much uh, portrayed as a well-meaning do-gooder. Oh, okay. One of them. And I don't mean that as an insult. Oh. You know, it's like when one, where it's him who, at the start of the film, he stands up when and says that, well, my class never gets to be taken on these trips. And... It's because, yeah, they're all electronically tagged. And he makes, yeah, and he makes this impassioned plea and they agree to it. And then there's another bit a bit later on and a bit after that. And so that's a kind of, you know, that's a, uh, used quite frequently as a plot device. Here's, here's my other grievances with this the programme. Uh, the couples don't look like couples. The 
pupils, as we've already discussed, are clearly all in their 30s. People forget to do things that they wouldn't actually forget. And it's not Christmas, clearly, is it? There's still leaves on the trees. Yeah. That sort of thing pisses me off. And I know that you, you know, you've got to be reasonable. But come on. I think the idea of a Christmas wedding episode is a really interesting idea. Because there are so many ways that you can build comedy. Um, There are so many ways in which you can build actual genuine tension. Um, And at the same time, everybody knows the familiar tropes. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like a gimme to be able to do it. And so when they do it, when somebody does it and gets it wrong then I'm, I find that I'm, I'm a bit offended by it. You know, why did they cram that all into 15 minutes when it could have stretched out, they could have knocked out the entire useless kind of pointless second half of it. And that really, yeah. really annoys me. It's just, the thing is, to me, that's just sloppy writing. A classic wet fart gag works better on the seat of a tandem bike than it does nearly anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, well, I mean... I'm not going to be watching it. <laughs> and yet he watched this. That's galling for me. Yeah, my standards are so low. Bearing in mind that it clearly isn't Christmas and it's just a big heap of shit and I hate it, what was your festive highlight of Please Sir? <laughs> Dogging. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, I mean, it was always going to be inevitable. I quite liked the fact that somebody had a beer barrel in their front room. It yeah. reminded me a little bit of what you were talking about the other day Yeah, in the Chaz and Dave podcast. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, but buying a buying a whole barrel uh, and, yeah, then and, then, just, and then rolling it home. Yeah, rolling it the home pub. and then cracking it open wrongly and spunking half of it all over the carpet. That, they were the good old days. Um... I think Police uh, has come and gone. And I can only say I'm very glad of it. Shot its bolt. It was, it was rubbish and I hated it. Tomorrow is the final day of this stupid, wretched advent calendar that, honestly, I can't remember a time when I wasn't doing it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> Because I watched this in full every Christmas to have the opportunity to do so again. And this time with a purpose fills me with delight. From 1975, the final episode of this wretched Christmas advent calendar, it's Fanny Craddock Cooks for Christmas. And it's a Spicy meatball. Well, yeah, apart from the fact that obviously it has no spices. Yeah, because it's cooked in Britain in the 1970s. But, um, you know, spoiler alert, the food ain't very good. But uh, we'll be back with that tomorrow. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.